Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend looking into your word together. Lord, we pray that you may be with me as I speak. I'm about to do a very audacious thing and speak in the name of the living God, even whilst a sinful creature. Lord, we pray that you may cleanse my lips so that I do not speak error, but I only speak what is helpful and true from your word. We pray that as a result of listening to your word preached this morning, the people here may be strengthened in faith and may be able to indeed stand firm against Satan. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you're in the face of danger, uh, you have different choices about what you can do. Uh, You can attack the enemy that is coming towards you. You can resist in some other way, stand firm and just wait for them to come to you. Uh, You can play dead like a possum. I never really understood that concept, um, but it must work for the possums. Uh, You can run away in the opposite direction. Uh, And sometimes it makes sense to run away. I often feel like running away from dangerous trucks on Parramatta Road. I get very quite uh, fearful of really large trucks uh, that come along those roads, uh, that road in particular. It seems like the lanes are much narrower. And so when I'm driving along there, I want to uh, swerve away from them and get as far away as possible. And I always find myself, when I drive past them, I actually bring my arms in closer unconsciously near the steering wheel because it makes it feel like the car will be thinner as I, as I do that action in the car. I feel that they're very dangerous. They quite scare me. Uh, this week, I want to look at what do we do in the face of danger when it's Satan. Last week, we spent a bit of time looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, which is found on page 1203 of the Black Church Bibles, 1203 of the Black Church Bibles, where we saw how dangerous Satan is by the way that he is described in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Peter says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, a.k.a. Satan, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's like a roaring lion. And we looked through last week what it means that he's a lion, how strong he is, and what it means that he's a roaring lion as one who defends his territory, one who is hungry, uh, one who wants to inflict fear into his prey, and that he's prowling around actually looking for you and not just wanting to maim you but actually devour you, it says there in verse 8. He is indeed a dangerous opponent And so it makes sense then we have this question, what am I to do in the face of such an enemy, of such a dangerous enemy as Satan is? And that's what we're going to look at this week as Peter doesn't leave us hanging. He has in verse 9 some instructions for us about what we should do in the face of such a dangerous enemy. And so my first main point this morning is about the first thing you need to do, and that is resist Satan. If you want to follow my main points, they should be there printed on the back of the church bulletin, and you can see them as uh, I've worked through this verse, verse 9, about what we should do in the face of Satan as a dangerous opponent. And the first thing we need to do is resist him. Now, what does it mean to resist? Well, the Greek word that is used there, uh, translated as resist in the NIV, uh, is a word that can be translated as oppose or set yourself against or a determined sort of confrontation with someone that you're really saying, I am not going to run away, I'm going to oppose you to your face. And so we must remember that Satan is indeed a dangerous opponent. 
And we need to do what uh, Peter said in verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. We need to watch out for him, but we don't just watch out for him and then do nothing when he arrives. We need to do something in particular, and that is resist him, set ourselves against him, recognize that he is not just somebody else's enemy, but what does it say in verse 8? He says he is your enemy. And so we need to resist him as our enemy. We cannot turn our back on him. We cannot run away from him like he's a dangerous truck on Parramatta Road because unlike the dangerous trucks on Parramatta Road that just keep going in the intended direction, Satan, if you swerve away from him, he'll swerve with you. He'll come after you. The last thing you want to do is turn your back on Satan. It's very interesting, the armour of God in Ephesians 6, uh, all the different weapons that you're given... There's nothing to protect your back. There's a breastplate, there's a shield, there is nothing for your back, which means if you turn your back on Satan, you're completely unprotected. You cannot turn your back on Satan. You must do what verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 5 says, you must resist him, you must oppose him, stand against him. You cannot run from such a dangerous enemy because he will catch you and devour you. But then you're saying, okay, well, that's easy for you to say, resist him. But how do I resist such a dangerous enemy? How do I resist him? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Resist Satan by standing in the faith. Resist Satan by standing in the faith. And we see that in verse 9. Peter says, resist him, that is Satan, standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in the faith. Now, what is the faith? It's interesting, it is definite article there, the faith. It's not faith in general, like um, apparently the um, Prince Charles, when he becomes uh, the king of England, he has vowed that he will no longer be the defender of the faith, he will be defender of faith. He'll drop the definite article, which uh, was a title that was given uh, by the Roman Catholic Church to the King of England back with Henry VIII. Sorry, I'm getting into a history lesson here. Um, but yes, he, is, he, he wants to defend faith, which means he defends Islam. He defends Hinduism. He defends Buddhism. He's no longer defending the faith, which is what? Christian, Christianity, Christian beliefs. And that is what Peter is talking about here. He doesn't want you to have faith in something, faith in... Islam, faith in Buddhism, faith in Hinduism, faith in whatever it may be that tickles your fancy. He wants you to stand firm in the faith, meaning Christian beliefs. Now, how do Christian beliefs help you fight against Satan? Why would you stand in Christian beliefs to oppose Satan? Well, the Christian beliefs teach you about the God that you trust in. And he is indeed a God who you can face Satan with. Who is the God of Christianity? He is a God who is omniscient. He knows all things. How is that helpful for you when you fight Satan? Well, he knows exactly what Satan is up to. He knows Satan and all his tricks. He knows his deceitful scheming. And so it's easy to resist him when you've got an all-knowing God who has your back. He is looking after you and he knows what Satan is up to. And so you can resist him if you have faith in the Christian God who is omniscient. What else do we know about God if we are a Christian? Who is the God that we have faith in? Well, he's a loving, merciful, gracious God. How is that helpful if you resist Satan? Well, it means that Satan 
won't get the upper hand of you if you're one of God's children. God's compassion. He's a merciful God. He's not going to watch you fighting Satan and say, yeah, I don't really care about what's going on over there. Of course he is going to care. I mean, we just saw that back in verse 7 when I preached on verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him, that's meaning God, because God cares for you. He is a merciful, compassionate God, long-suffering. He is a wonderful God. And if you have faith in that God, then of course you can resist Satan. You know that there's a compassionate God looking out for you when you are fighting. What else do we know about God if you believe in the Christian God? Well, he's an omnipotent God. He's an all-powerful God. See, what good is it to have an omniscient God and a compassionate, gracious, merciful God if when you're fighting Satan, he knows exactly what's going on, he can see you fighting, and he's worried about what's going on there, he's concerned, he's caring for you, but he can't actually do anything to intervene because he is powerless. What good would that kind of God be? might be very nice that he's compassionate and caring, but... He can't actually help me. But the God of Christianity is an omnipotent God, all-powerful God. There is no one to rival his power, including Satan himself. And if you trust in that God, then you can resist Satan. You can resist him because you know who God is, the God that you trust in, and he will look after you. But we don't just consider the faith about who God is that we trust in. When we are a Christian, we believe in certain things about ourselves as well in relation to God. He is an all-knowing God. He is a compassionate and gracious God. He is an all-powerful God. But what? how is that helpful to me? Well, if you are a believer in the Christian faith, then you know things about yourself, particularly in the relationship that you have with The Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son. What God has done for you in the past in particular. What has God done for you in the past if you're a Christian? Well, he's forgiven your sin. He has conquered Satan at the cross and Satan's hold over you as a sinner. As a sinner, you belong to Satan. You're one of his children. But if God has paid for your sin and made you righteous instead of unrighteous, Satan has no hold over you any longer. And if you are a Christian, you have conquered Satan through Jesus Christ. And so you can resist Satan if you know that fact. You know you are no longer a child of Satan. You're a child of God. And so you can stand firm against Satan, knowing that he has no hold of you. He cannot accuse you before God and say, Joel Radford... He's a sinner. He can't belong to you. He is not one of your children. Satan can't accuse me of being unrighteous in the eyes of God because I have a robe of righteousness placed on me by God. And so I have been cleansed from my unrighteousness and Satan cannot accuse me any longer. And so that gives me power to resist Satan, knowing what God has done for me if I'm a believer in the faith. What else do I know about myself in relationship to God? I know what God is doing for me now as a believer. If I'm a Christian and believe the faith, if I have faith in Christianity, then I know that God is working not just in my past in cleansing me from unrighteousness. He is working for me now. 
In all things, God is working for my good. That's that marvellous promise in Romans 8.28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Wonderful promise. That means that when I fight Satan, what's happening there? All things are working for my good. Even my fight with Satan, as I stand firm and resist him, God is working for my good even now. And that gives me the power, the encouragement to resist Satan even though he is such a dangerous enemy. And it's not only what God has done in the past for me and what he's doing now that gives me hope to stand firm against Satan. It's what he's going to do for me in the future. What is God going to do for me in the future? Well, he's going to take me to be with him in heaven for all eternity. Now, if I'm going to fight off Satan, and, I mean, this whole section has been about persecution, this whole section of 1 Peter, and that's what Satan is really doing uh, in, this, in this passage, in this context. He's attacking God's people, quite literally, physically, using often human people in his power to do that. Now, if you're going to get hurt, physically hurt, for standing against Satan. How does believing in God, the God of Christianity, help you stand firm? Well, it means that even if Satan kills me, what's going to happen? I'm going to go to heaven and be with God. I don't have to worry about whether I will be eternally condemned in some way. No, I have no condemnation because I'm being set free in Christ Jesus. And so I can stand firm against Satan. I can resist him in the face of serious persecution. Not just somebody thinking, oh, you're an idiot for being a Christian. Not just somebody saying you're an idiot for being a Christian. But somebody saying, because you're an idiot and a Christian, I'm going to chop your head off. I can stand firm in that and oppose that person. Why? Because I know that when they chop my head off, I'm going to go to heaven. It's going to be okay. And so having the faith, What does that mean I can do? It means I can do what he says there in verse 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. You may say, okay, that's what I need to do. I need to have the faith to stand firm. How do you get the faith? You may be saying this morning, I'm not a Christian. I don't know what it means to have the faith. Well, I encourage you to become a Christian even now. How do you do that? Well, you... Acknowledge your sin. You acknowledge that you've done wrong things against the omnipotent, omniscient God and ask for his mercy. He is a merciful God and he can forgive you through the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. There is no sin so great that you have committed in your life that he cannot forgive it if you come to him in repentance and trust that Jesus Christ died for you. I encourage you to do that. If you've never said sorry to God for your sins, never asked for forgiveness through Jesus Christ's work of the cross, do it now. Because otherwise you cannot do what is said here in verse 9. Resist him standing firm in the faith. You can't resist Satan. He's all over you as a roaring lion and you are not able to do anything against him. You need to turn to Jesus Christ even now. And I encourage you to do that. Now, some of you as Christians may be saying, okay, yes, I've done that in the past and I'm in the faith, but it's scary still. 
How do I face Satan? Yes, it's all well and good for you to say that, Joel, but how, how, does that, how, how do I stand firm? How do I, how do I stand firm in the faith? And that brings me to my third main point this morning. Resist Satan by standing firm in the faith. It's interesting that he includes that there. Uh, Every word is important in this verse. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Not just having standing in the faith, but stand firm in it. Now, how do you get to be firm in the faith? How do you get to be steadfast? Solid would be other translations of that word firm in the faith. Because we've got to admit it, our faith is often shaky at best. So we need to be firm in the faith. How do you do that? Well, it means you need to increase your knowledge about God and about yourself and what God has done for you. All those things that I spoke about, about who God is and about what God has done in past, present, future, you need to have more knowledge about that. Because we've got to remember that Christianity is not some aimless faith that is built on nothing. No, it is built on truth and knowledge. You can't believe in something you don't know anything about. And so if you want to have stronger faith in God and what he has done for you, then you need to know more about it. You need to be reminded continually about what God has done and who he is. So what does that mean you need to do? It means you need to know this book better. This book, the Bible, is how you know about the God who is omnipotent, who is compassionate and gracious, the God who is all-knowing, even of Satan's devices. He is the one that you need to know, and this is the way that you know him. That means you've got to study this book. You've got to study it privately. Read it regularly. Digest it. Remind yourselves of who God is and what he has done for you through Jesus Christ at the cross. You need to pray through the Bible I love doing that. You get the Bible and you take a verse and you turn it into a prayer to God. Pray the Bible. Memorize the Bible. That's something that I did as a kid, but I've only really discovered that I need to do it as an adult as well. And memorize slabs of Scripture. Get it into you. Digest it. Because as you do that, what is happening to your faith? It's firming up. It's becoming more solid, which is exactly what is told of you to do here in this verse. If you want to resist Satan, what do you do? Get scripture into you. I don't think Jesus, when he was resisting Satan's temptation, that he also had a a scroll in his hand and when he rebuked Satan with words from scripture, do you think Jesus was saying them from a scroll? No, I think they were in his head. He knew the Bible. That's what we need to do. We need to have the Bible in us. Read it, memorize it, pray it, Get it into you. But don't just do it individually. Get into the Bible with others. Come along to church at gatherings like this where you hear from the Bible, where you're reminded of the truths in the Bible so that when Satan comes along, you've been equipped by people at church, by ministers who have preached to you so that you are stronger in the faith when people come along. Go to Bible study groups. Meet with others. We have Bible studies at this church. You can come along and study more about God at those Bible study groups, which then means you get a firmer faith. And just come along to things like church for the conversations afterwards as well. Talk about not the weather, although it is pouring rain and cold and it seems to be the topic of choice even in my own uh, self this morning, but talk about what God has been doing, who you are in God. Give your testimony to people if they don't know it already. It's a wonderful reminder of what 
who God is and what he has done in your life, which firms up your faith as you see God's power in somebody else's life and firms up their faith as they're reminding themselves by speaking about their own testimony to you. Come along for fellowship, real fellowship with others as you talk not about the weather and sport and other uh, matters, but talk about God. And that will end up doing what? It'll firm up your faith so that you can do what? Resist Satan when he attacks you. So you need to strengthen your knowledge, which strengthens your faith, and so Satan doesn't have a chance. Now, any other encouragements from this passage as to how you can resist Satan? Well, there is another part to that verse. Verse 9. There's another way that we can resist Satan. And that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Resist Satan by knowing that your brothers in the world are suffering. Resist Satan by knowing that your brothers in the world are suffering. And we see that in verse 9. It says, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, whenever we suffer, it always seems a bit unfair if it's only me that's suffering. We don't like it when it's all the sufferings coming just to me or the painful experience you're having to undergo it by yourself. We had a rather painful experience this week in our family. On Monday night, Joshua was crying in the middle of the night and Jill elbowed me awake and said Joshua's crying. I went, oh, yes, so he is. Wandered downstairs and uh, I found him lying in a pool of vomit. He was very unwell and he'd been throwing up all over the bedding and cuddly toys and oh, and I just went, oh, because he's never thrown up before and, uh, and he's distressed because he's like, oh, cough, cough, like what's going on? Um, this isn't supposed to happen. And, uh, and he was distressed and I'm like, oh, this is kind of beyond me on my own. This is real suffering here. And, uh, and so what do I do? I call upstairs, Jill, Joshua's vomiting. You've got to come down here. And we suffered together. I got Joshua into the bath and got his clothes off and Jill, I don't know what she did um, to clean up that pool that was there. Um, but thankfully, rubber sheets underneath, um, good thing to have. But yes, it felt so much better having somebody else there. I don't know how single parents do it um, with, when you go through that kind of experience. Hats off to them. I mean, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, it's so much easier when we know somebody else is going through the painful experience with us. And that's what happens when we suffer from Satan. We've got to remember that other people are suffering from Satan as well. He's not just focusing as a roaring lion on you alone. He's focusing on others as well. Others do share in suffering from Satan. We've got to remember that Satan causes suffering all around this world. Remember last week, he prowls around like a roaring lion, and I said that means he goes around the whole world. He's not, it's not like he's over in the Middle East and he's not over here in Australia. Yes, he's in Australia, but he's also, we've got to remember, in the Middle East, he's in the Americas, he's in Africa, he's in Europe, and he's causing suffering to people over there as well. They may not be experiencing the exact kind of suffering that you're experiencing, but they're experiencing, what does it say there in verse 9? The same kind of sufferings. They're experiencing suffering from Satan. And it's not only just others throughout the world that are experiencing suffering from Satan. What does he say there in verse 9? Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's our brothers, other Christians, who are being persecuted by Satan 
throughout the world. And they are resisting Satan, standing firm against him in the spite of such persecution. It's not just you. You can't have this pity party about yourself that Satan's got it in for me. No, he's got it in for all the brotherhood of believers. And they are fighting him alongside you. And he's got it in, um, And there's one brother in particular that is being heard by Satan as well. Who's that? Our brother Jesus Christ. When we suffer, he suffers. We participate in actual his suffering when we suffer. We saw that back when we looked at suffering in, uh, in verse 12 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of who? Christ. When you suffer, you, Christ, you're ex- actually experiencing Christ's sufferings. When Paul is on the road to Damascus, Jesus says to him, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And he says, who are you, Lord? I don't know who you are. I haven't been persecuting you. No, you have been persecuting me because you've been persecuting my church, my brotherhood of believers and sisterhood. He's been persecuting the church. And so when we suffer, we've got to remember that there's a whole bunch of other Christians out there who are suffering as well. And it's not just even within Australia, it's throughout the world that such people suffer. It says there in verse 9, Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world, the entire world, are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's not as though just these Christians in Australia are being attacked. It's our brothers throughout the world. There's a global sense here. And so we're not alone in resisting Satan. It's not as though just a few are standing firm resisting Satan. It's many, many people. And so we should learn about the suffering that is going on throughout the world with our brothers because it's an encouragement to us. How is it an encouragement? I was looking at this text this week and going, yeah, it's all, it kind of seems like um, when you suffer, you want other people to feel a bit of pain as well. And it sounds a bit malicious, really, that you're kind of pleased that other people are being hurt. Um, but I think what is getting, he, Peter is getting at here is that when we find out that others are willingly standing firm in the faith against Satan as they are being persecuted, what does that mean? It means I am willing to stand as well. As I see brothers and sisters standing firm against Satan as they are facing severe persecution, it encourages me to stand up too. Stand up. Be like your brotherhood of believers throughout the world and stand firm against Satan with them. It gives me that encouragement that I'm not just the only one that's making a stand. There are others with me. And so we need to learn more about our brothers and sisters and the way they've suffered because it encourages us to stand firm as well. Firstly, we need to learn about, I I would encourage you, learn church history. Learn particularly about the suffering that our brothers and sisters have gone through in church history and how they have stood firm in the face of opposition. There's a book that was written uh, around the Reformation period called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's an oldie and it's a classic, uh, but it speaks very clearly about uh, how people, starting from the early church, were persecuted for being Christians and yet how they stood firm against such opposition. But all through church history, we have those kinds of stories. I mean, it's amazing. People actually died over their understanding of the Lord's Supper. People at the time of the Reformation were willing to not deny 
that, well, to, to deny that you were somehow in getting grace from having the Mass, the Roman Catholic Mass, that when you eat the bread and you drink the cup, that is somehow atoning for your sin. They said, no, that is not true. Christ at the cross has atoned for my sin. That Lord's Supper does not atone for my sin. And they were killed for actually having that viewpoint. They were standing firm in the faith and being persecuted for it. And when I read that, I just think, how weak am I? If it came down to the Lord's Supper, would I really stand that firm about it? I mean, some churches these days, they don't even seem to practice the Lord's Supper. Do we have such a high view of that? And would we be willing to be persecuted for it? Well, when I read stories like that, I start to take the Lord's Supper a bit more seriously. I start to think, yeah, I... I should really stand firm in the face of such opposition. And then it's not just in the past that we can see brothers and sisters being persecuted and being encouragement. It's today as well. Our brothers and sisters in the Eastern world, particularly, Middle East, are suffering intensely because of being Christian. Satan is over there and he's causing lots of turmoil for them. But what are they doing? We see them standing firm. We see them actually increasing in number in some places, which is incredible. They're getting more and more opposition. And what are they doing? They're actually growing in the faith. And not just spiritually, but numerically, as more and more people become Christians. And that is an encouragement to us to stand firm. It seems like a contrary idea. If I resist Satan, I'm going to get knocked down. He's such a dangerous enemy. And the witness will be gone if I'm expelled from this world. But it seems like the opposite starts to happen, that more and more people, and that happened as people were martyred, killed, people were becoming Christians because they saw there's some people who really know what truth is and are willing to stake their lives on it. And so the opposite effect can actually start to happen. It can start to be a blessing martyrdom to the church as more and more people come to know God. And we should know that even in our Western world, people are suffering. Christians, fellow Christians are suffering for what they say. I mean, it's becoming more and more common that hate speech laws are coming into effect. Over in places like England, people are getting um, told to close their mouths about subjects like Islam and criticising Islam, that Islam is not a valid way to God, that it does not teach an appropriate way of salvation. And that's seen to be hate speech. If you say anything against Muhammad, the prophet, their prophet not my prophet, he's their prophet. You say that, you can get in big trouble. Hate speech laws are coming into effect and they're, and they're toying with them here in Australia as well. And speaking against homosexuality as a Christian, saying, I'm a Christian and I believe that is wrong. It is an unhealthy lifestyle and we should not be promoting homosexual marriage. It's Once homosexual marriage comes in, if it does come in, It'll normalise homosexuality. It'll have to be taught in our schools as, because it's part of the law of the land. This is a valid lifestyle. And to speak against it will become increasingly difficult. And people are already getting sued over uh, like having a bed and breakfast. And they say, we don't permit homosexuals to stay here. It's our home. We don't do that. And they get sued. And they successfully get sued. That is happening around the world. Um, even in places like America, Canada, England. This book, um, I usually review a book before the sermon. I thought I'd do it in the middle of the sermon this week. Um, this book tells you many stories of that. It's called The Intolerance of Tolerance by Don Carson. 
Excellent book. It's on the church library. This is the church library copy. You can borrow it afterwards. It goes through how people are becoming increasingly intolerant of opposing ideas. See, tolerance used to be that I have a view, you have a view, but we can share with one another our opposing views and agree to disagree. What is becoming now under the name of tolerance is that there is only my view and you cannot speak your opposing view. You can keep it maybe in your own heart, but you can't bring it to the table. And that is intolerance of tolerance. And yet they call it tolerance. We should be able to share our views in the public square without fear, but increasingly as Christians we are being marginalised and that we have no view to share because we believe in God. If you want to bring something to the table, it must come from a secular understanding. You must bring it in in some other way. You cannot refer to God in, your, uh, in what you're wanting to bring to the table. That is happening more and more in the Western world. But if we know that is happening, not just here in Australia, but we know it's happening in Canada, we know it's happening in America, North America, we know it's happening in the UK, what does that do for us? It encourages us that our brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And if our brothers in America are going to stand up against homosexuality, even if it costs them their businesses, if it costs them their churches and their financial exemption status, uh, tax status, then we should here in Australia as well if that comes into effect. Because they're doing it, let's do it too. Let's make a stand and oppose Satan, resist him. He is dangerous. But we come in the Christian faith and we can oppose him knowing who our God is. So you are not alone when someone thinks badly of you for speaking about Jesus, for speaking against Islam, for speaking against homosexual marriage. You're not alone and you can be encouraged by that. So do you recognise how dangerous Satan is? Last week we saw how dangerous he is. He's a roaring lion seeking to devour you. Do you recognise that fact or do you just ignore him? thinking that Satan doesn't really exist, and if he does, he's not that dangerous. If you do recognise how dangerous Satan is, do you resist him? Do you do what it says there in verse 9, resist him? And do you do it by standing in the Christian faith, and not just standing in the Christian faith, not just saying, yes, I repented and I believed once upon a time. Do you stand firmly in the Christian faith? Do you remind yourselves of those truths about Christianity again and again, so that you can resist Satan effectively? And do you resist Satan by remembering that you're not alone in the resistance of Satan? Your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Do you remind yourself of that fact? Do you care about what your brothers are experiencing in places like the Middle East? You should. You should be informed. There's different organisations that will inform you so that you can be praying for them effectively, but also be encouraged about what they are doing and standing firm so that you can stand firm when your friend at work says, so why are you a Christian and you have that feeling of, I don't really want to talk too much about it because you might think badly of me. But if you know people are in jail for talking about Jesus, then are you going to start talking to people at work about Jesus? Yes, because it encourages you. Let's uh, speak with our God. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have revealed who Satan is to us, but we thank you that you have revealed who you are and your relationship to us. We thank you that we can know the Christian faith 
And we thank you that we can also share in that Christian faith, that we can believe in you, the Holy One, but the Omniscient One as well, the Omnipotent One, the One who is gracious and compassionate towards his children. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus Christ, and we pray that we may stand firm in the Christian faith. May we remind ourselves again and again of who we are in Christ Jesus and who you are as our Lord. And we pray that we also may look around us and see how others are suffering as they stand firm against Satan. And we pray that we may get encouragement from their resistance of him so that we can resist him all the more firmly as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.